Welcome to the Movement Code Podcast, where we help you decode movement, health, and lifestyle so that you can expand and grow. Hey guys, my name is Antonio Gurley, your host for the Movement Code Podcast. I am a father, husband, business owner, rehab practitioner, and coach. Information overload has paralyzed many of us, and we are overwhelmed with good intentions and don't know what or who to trust. We aim to provide you clarity and confidence by bringing you expert advice for the everyday person. Thanks for spending some time with me today and enjoy the episode. Hey guys, welcome back to Movement Code Podcast. This is Antonio, your host. Um, today on our episode, we have Dana Eshelman, who is a registered dietitian, and her main focus is sports nutrition. And that's why I wanted to have a conversation with her today, is really just getting some of the, the main details down about what you should be considering as far as nutritional needs for your sport. And when we say sport, it might just be, it might be just doing CrossFit, or it might just be daily lifting, and how to how to maybe look look like what you should be eating before and after. Those are a lot of questions that we get in our office, aside from just kind of the basics of what we should be eating. We also dive into a little bit about what macronutrients are, carbs, fats, proteins, etc. And she will give you some of the things that she sees um, in as, as a practitioner, some of the main things that she sees as big issues. Okay, and I'm not going to give those away because I want you to listen to hear what those are. Um, other than that, I just want to ask you guys, please like, share, and comment. If you're enjoying these, please reach out with any topics that you would like to learn more about. We'd love hearing what you're interested in so that we can pull on guests to talk about those and have discussions. In the future, what you're going to be seeing from us is my wife, Nichelle, and I, we are going through um, some big changes with our practice. Uh, we're doing some rebranding, combining forces, so on and so forth, uh, and I want to be able to share that journey with you guys and kind of keep you up to date about what we're doing and what we plan about doing in the future. So uh, if you're interested, uh, feel free to follow along with that journey, not only on here, but also Instagram uh, and Facebook as well if you're not following us already. All right. Enjoy the episode and uh, uh, take care. All right, guys. Welcome back. Movement Code Podcast. Today, we have uh, Dana Eshelman. Uh, who is a registered dietitian here in Colorado. Um, and I'll let her introduce herself a little bit more about who she is, her focus, et cetera, and where she's located. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, so yeah, I'm Dana Eshelman. Um, I've been a registered dietitian now for just about four and a half years. Um, I come from a pretty strong clinical background, um, working with a, a variety of metabolic diseases and conditions. Um, and over the past year to year and a half, have been working more with endurance athletes um, with a focus on sports nutrition um, to optimize performance. So, yeah, yeah that's great. <laughs> and so Dan and I met on uh, on the gram, um, but she is <laughs> uh, so we're we're located in Lafayette, Colorado, and Dana. I believe lives lives in Erie. Yes, yeah. Sorry, I'm in Erie, Colorado. So, so really, we kind of help people in that northern part of Denver, if you will. But Denver, Boulder, anywhere around there, Erie is obviously super close to Boulder County. Um, but this this is great because nutrition is something that uh, we talk a lot about in our practice. And when Dana and I met up, we were very talking, we were talking about this a lot. It's we, we, I approach it at a much more superficial level, right? So hopefully today we'll get down to a little bit more nitty gritty details 
on things that would be uh, super beneficial for you based on sports nutrition. Again, like what I always say is sleep more, eat more veggies, so on and so forth. But for a lot of people, that's very just too broad and they want more, some more specific. So today's focus is we're going to hopefully dive into sports nutrition uh, and so on and so forth. So obviously with that, in the category of sports, there's a lot of different sports and different sports are going to require different metabolic needs than obviously other sports, correct? Right, absolutely. So when we're looking in Colorado, Colorado, uh, I think, is well known for a lot more endurance sports, if you will. So running, biking, Mm -hmm. so on and so forth. But we forget there's a lot of uh, elements that would require power and explosion um, as well when you're thinking like almost something as like rock climbing, which is a lot more metabolically demanding, even bouldering from top roping or sport climbing, which is a lot longer. But what are some of the, how do you, how do you approach sports nutrition? What's the first thing that you try to gather from someone to kind of help you get the ball rolling in the right direction? Yeah, so I always, I, my initial, like, I guess, consultation is always kind of just seeing what they're doing currently and make and seeing um, if they have any terms of restrictions, or if they have, I mean, if they've been restricting in their diet, um, without having like food allergies and intolerances. Um, and my first, my first um, thought is, you know, we live in a society that, um deems carbs as bad um and so that's a really big focus right now is um all of these really really low carbohydrate diets and um you know fueling as an athlete you know that maybe can work for your average joe right but fueling for an athlete is um carbohydrates are going to be your primary source of fuel um especially in those explosive movements so i mean yeah and that's that's huge so I guess one of the balances that I'm thinking about too, right? It's like you're you you have to have a very um, you have to be super aware of what the what the goals are, just like with anything else, right? Like if you want mm-hmm. nutrition for a sport, but yet you're also trying to incorporate weight loss, that's really where things kind of get a little gray and muddy because well, I don't want to eat a lot because I'm trying to lose weight, but yet I also want to be able to perform at my sport because that's all supposed to help me lose weight. So we're mm-hmm. let's let's roll with carbs, like I mean. <laughs> this comes up obviously a lot is reducing carbs more specifically i think we should maybe break down to like what are what are what are carbohydrates and, and let's start with the macros let's just start with the macros yeah. what are what are the macronutrients just so people that and i think everyone knows more or less what they are but then breaking down each one a little bit more specifically as to how they are utilized as um, a fuel source or a resource for you and your body absolutely um, so our macronutrients are going to be carbs, fat, and protein. Um, your carbohydrates are going to be foods that primarily are going to fuel your body for that quick response, um, provide you quick energy. Um, so those foods include things like fruit, your whole grains, um, things like um, oats, cereals, rice, um, going into the, I guess, um, foods that you should have, I call them my, your fun foods, things like sweets and ice cream and, you know, those types of things. Those are also going to fall under the carbohydrate category. Um, your protein are, there is what's called your building blocks in your body, right? So it helps build and restore tissues that maybe have been damaged, um, whether that be 
through stress from training or through just every day um, having to rebuild your tissue. Um, and those foods are going to be primarily like meat, poultry, fish, um, you know, your beans, uh, what else, eggs, those types of things are going to be your primary um, protein foods. Um, and then your fats, um, you know, I think this also is another category people want to eat super low fat. Um, but your fats are going to be um, really something that provides you with like the lubrication of your joints and the cushioning and um, transport of nutrients, um, fighting inflammation when you get into those. And this is this is going to be a, a total other topic that we could go into, too, but getting into those like omega threes and omega sixes and um, the omega threes are going to be what helps fight inflammation, whereas omega sixes tend to be inflammatory. Um, and so those um, fats really are the energy that we use when we're just sitting during the day, when our heart rate isn't high, when we're just hanging out, um, our organs tend to and like to use fat as fuel um, at a resting state. Um, so that's what our macronutrients are. Um, and we need all of, all of those and some form and everybody's gonna be different on the way they need those um, based on their performance and their metabolism and all and their age and their all of that. Um, and so it's, you know, all of those are an important part of your, your diet. Now, do you, this might be getting too far ahead, but do you try to time, like let's say for instance, so we know fats are being used at more of a steady state, low resting heart rate. They're also very well utilized for steady state prolonged exercise. So like you can't, mm -hmm. like you said, quick burn energy for carbs. A marathoner can't be just burning all carbs and sugars, correct, right? So do you work right. with people on when they should be eating certain things and implementing that based on when they are training that day? Yes, absolutely. So that's a process we call nutrition period periodization. And so that is really what I call is like, you know, sandwiching your workouts with carbohydrates. So having carbohydrates before working out carbohydrates after, but there's also different methods within that. So like the training low method where you get into um, workouts that maybe are fasted or that are, you only have protein before your workout. So you're teaching your muscles to burn um, fat as fuel. And that's where we get into it's really nutrition optimization. So really teaching your body to use your stores as fuel versus having all of this outside um, sources of fuel come in. Um, and that's really with our endurance athletes. So they're not having to eat, you know, meals when they're out there for hours on the bike or on the run on um, rather they're able to use their energy stores. How would, how would one know if they are, maximizing their fat utilization like like what does that training process look like because obviously i don't do something like that right now if i wanted sure. to do a method like that how long would it take to quote unquote train my body to do that is it something that always has to have upkeep and how would i know if i am mm -hmm. uh utilizing fat stores more than just simple blood sugars etc yeah. So there's, it's called metabolic efficiency training. And there's actually people that are certified to test that. Okay. Um, they call it like the, the crossover point. So when you cross over from burning fat as fuel to carbohydrates as fuel, 
Um, and it varies on your heart rate zone and everybody will be different. It's going to change on your fitness level. It's going to change on the season of your training cycle. Um, and so this primarily is done in your base phase of training or, um, they call it the prep phase. So when your heart rate's very, very low, ideally less than 75% of your max heart rate. And, um, and that, I mean, and that again can vary on, on the individual because some people mm -hmm. at 75% max heart rate, they might be already burning carbs as fuel. Um, and that will just vary on your fitness level and what your muscles are used to. So, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I think that's, I think that's a, an interesting point because most of us assume that more intense is going to burn more mm -hmm. fat when right. that is not necessarily always the case. We're, I, I guess we should also indicate uh, and maybe explain for everyone. So we, we're talking about, and this is gonna get a, a little bit more into energy systems, right? Mm -hmm. Oxidative, non-oxidative, so on and so forth. When are we always burning fat, even at a higher heart rate, even though it's more, how does, how does, that, how does that work out? Because again, most people assume that I need to go faster, harder, push it. My heart rate needs to be elevated to the max in order to burn more fat. Yeah. So I think the idea behind that comes from, yes, during those high intensity workouts, you're, you're, you may not burn as many calories in that time frame as you would if you were to go out for a long duration workout. But the afterburn effect with that is where you're burning more fat, um, right? Because your your muscles, when you do those hit style training or high intensity workouts, your muscles are working a lot harder, and they're over time they're having to rebuild um, and restore their tissues. So they're using more calories on the back end there than you would if you go out for this long duration ride um, or run or just work out, you know, those long duration workouts, you're burning calories in that moment. And then after your body doesn't necessarily need to recover as much as it would if you were to do something higher intensity. Now, obviously, fat loss is something that is important for a majority of people also just looking at the I just looked at a I can't remember what the source was, but looked at a statistic, 40%. We have now crossed over the threshold of 40% of Americans are, are obese or overweight or whatever that is. Now, obviously, many of those in that category are less, con less concerned, not everybody. Some are obviously super concerned about their health, and there's a number of different things, so I'm not saying that you don't care. But for, for those that do want to focus a little bit on fat loss, what, what's, what do you tend to recommend? Is it better to do steady state long exercises? Is it better to do the quick burn? Is it better to do a combination of those? Or does it really break down to what people's interests are, likes, et cetera? I really think it, it, it boils down to what their interests are, right? Because if you're, you know, you can, you can push your body so much, but if you're not loving what you're doing, it's really not going to benefit you because you're more likely not to stick with it. Um, and that's really the big picture because it's like, yes, you can, you can, you know, go full force for two months and do this hit style training and, you know, kick your butt. Right. But then it's like, after that you're burnt out and maybe you fall back into old habits and then you regain more weight after. Mm -hmm. Um, so really finding something that you enjoy doing, um, finding a nutrition plan that 
is inclusive and that fits into your lifestyle is going to be what's going to make the best results long term. So what is a nutrition plan? Go into that more. Yeah. So I'm a pretty firm believer in, um, I don't call it a diet because I, I implement more of lifestyle changes. Um, so not, not having these, you know, we'll pick on carbs again, um, not having these drastic restrictions of your carbohydrate intake, say, um, rather including having a very inclusive nutrition plan, having a, you know, including all foods, um, in your diet so that you're able to maintain it long-term. Um, I think when you get into restriction and when you get into these blanket statements of bad and good foods, um, people fall off the wagon and mm-hmm. just it's, it becomes overwhelming. It creates anxiety and is almost um, less productive than it would be if they, you know, were just to stick with what they're doing. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. I mean, people forget like when someone asks, what is your diet? It's not like what plane you are. Your diet is really just what you eat on a yeah. normal, normal basis. But yet we assume it always has to be like some sort of like specific uh, program, if you will. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> what are um, what's what's your background in sports? What are your primary go tos for activities, exercise, so on and so forth? Yeah. So I vary it by season. So I guess you know by nature, I'm an endurance athlete, right? But you know, right now I'm especially with races not really happening. <laughs> um, I've really dialed back and now I'm, I'm doing more like strength training and hit style workouts um, to build, to rebuild my base. Um, so I, I try to change it up as much as I can. Um, but yeah, I do. I love the endurance stuff. So how are you eating differently from doing endurance versus to now more resistance and strength training? Sure. So when I am really um, in my endurance phase of training, my carbohydrate intake increases significantly um, where my diet's about like 60 to 65% carbohydrates. And my protein, you know, is more towards about 20%. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's kind of where it is during endurance training. And then during um, right now, my I have a pretty even split of carbohydrates to about forty to forty five percent, and then protein and fat are around thirty percent um, of my diet. So, um, the and the reason for that is because when I'm endurance training, those long duration rides, I, you know, there's only so much that your body can burn as fat for fuel, and then it it gets exhausted and you start burning carbohydrates. Um, whereas when I'm doing more of my strength training and hit style workouts, my workouts aren't so long anymore. They're more like an hour and I'm, you know, I'm in and out. Um, and so I don't need all of the extra carbohydrates. I'm, my body's at a resting state more often. Um, so I'm burning more fat as fuel. So is the, is the term carbo loading still relevant? Um, so, you know, yes and no. I mean, there is, there's benefits to it in terms of, you know, increasing your carbohydrate in the weeks that you taper. So before a race, you'll, you'll have maybe 
one to two weeks, depending on how long your race is, that you decrease your exercise and you begin to increase your carbohydrate intake. Um, the common misconception with carbohydrate loading is that you you load up on carbs the night before your race and then you're good to go. Um, but the the downfall with that is that it, your your body really can't absorb all those carbs in one night. Like that's that's too much, and it often will cause a lot of gut issues in the morning and maybe during your race. Um, so really the idea behind carbohydrate loading is you should actually start like three to four days before your race, mm-hmm. gradually increasing those carbohydrates rather than having this like huge pasta dinner the night before. Um, it, it really should be a gradual increase in your carbohydrate intake. And again, that will vary based on the person and what they, what their body's able to tolerate. Now, I know this is kind of going a different direction. I know we kind of already mentioned Carbs get a bad rap. Oftentimes, fats get a bad rap. No one seems to be opposed to protein. Everyone's okay with that. What are what are some of the things that you're seeing most people are not getting enough of? Uh, in terms of macronutrients, that just in general could be, yeah. We could even dive down to um, going micro as well, yeah. or it could be quote unquote like lifestyle things. Um, but more so, what are people not more more or less not consuming enough of? And it could be macro or micro. Yeah, I mean, it really, people really aren't consuming enough carbs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> generally, generally speaking, I see a lot, and honestly, enough, enough calories in, in general, we, um, we kind of, there's a big statement on, you know, move, move your body more, eat less, but it's like, to what degree can you eat less, right? Um, is there a certain point that your body's like, I can't, I can't tolerate any less. And are you, and at that point when you're restricting that much new, um, that much nutrients and that many calories, are you getting all of those micronutrients that you need? So, so with that, what might be some of the, what might be some of the symptoms? What might be some of the things that someone would uh, tell you that would indicate they're not eating a enough and B enough carbs? Um, their energy levels aren't stable throughout the day. So um, that afternoon slump that you see, that's usually that your carbohydrate intake throughout the day isn't steady. Um, uh, energy is a big one. Mood swings and like feelings of hangriness mm-hmm. <laughs> um, are big ones too, is that you're, because when, when your body sees these drastic spikes and falls in blood sugar, that's when we start to get a little bit irritable and um you know that term hangry came about is like you're really hungry and so maybe you're not fueling your body adequately um a big i guess indicator and in that people can monitor on their own is if they say they eat um lunch at noon if they're hungry again by one o'clock you probably aren't fueling your body well enough or you're eating nutrients that are going straight to your bloodstream and not filling you up, right? So you're not getting that fiber and that protein in your meal. Yeah, so that was going to be my, my next thought is someone argue like, well, isn't isn't the drastic spikes in blood sugar, et cetera, due to, and, and this I think partially a true, uh, not eating the right carbs. You're getting like a major spike in blood sugar and thus then you're mm-hmm. having like a major decrease 
and that's where people are sometimes getting confused. Like, well, I need to eat less because I'm, I'm spiking my blood sugar because I'm eating more likely than not uh, simple carbs, right? As opposed yeah. to then the opposite would be what do you suggest to help maintain more of that? Because again, people hear whole wheat. So like, okay, so maybe toast is good, but I thought toast and bread supposed to spike me too much and so on and so mm-hmm. forth. Absolutely. So that's definitely a point to consider with carbohydrate intake is, and that's where I think they got their bad rap is that um, often we are consuming a lot of like this, these prepackaged carbohydrates, um, very simple carbohydrates um, that do cause those drastic spikes in blood sugar. Whereas if we were to consume something that's more, um, of a, it's considered a complex carb, meaning it has fiber and it has um, it's not stripped of all of its nutrients, um, that we don't see that as drastic of a spike in blood sugar for, you know, so for example, um, doing a meal with whole grain bread, like making a sandwich with whole grain bread instead of like honey wheat bread, right. Mm. Or, or white bread, cause the honey wheat and the white bread, um, you know, while wheat bread does have good nutrition in it, the whole grain bread is going to have better Hmm. um you know so it kind of it varies on that scale it's like white bread is really stripped of its nutrients the honey wheat bread's a little bit better and then that whole grain bread is going to be like gold star um same same thing you know between white and brown rice or white and wild rice um the wild and brown rice are going to be considered a whole grain whereas um wait did i the white sorry the what the whole grain or I can't talk. The wild um, rice, wild rice, and the brown rice are whole grain, um, whereas gotcha. the white rice is going to spike that blood sugar. Yep. Um, gotcha. So making those, you know, little changes, and I know some people have difficulty switching from, um, you know, a white bread product to a whole grain right off the bat. So maybe doing like a half and half mixture. So doing like a quarter cup of white rice mixed with a quarter cup of brown rice. So you're able to start integrating that fiber into your diet um, versus making that hard switch. So now what would be some of your, I guess, guidance or recommendations? Cause I'm thinking back to when, I mean, I haven't done organized sports really since like high school, right. And high school, mm-hmm. that was like the last time I was really doing like multiple practices a week games weekend so on and so forth and my mom I feel like my mom cooked actually really well for what we were and having like four boys but I feel like student athletes especially just Mac they're trying to leverage their youth being able to eat pretty much whatever they want what are some of the recommendations you give for um, younger athletes collegiate high school so on and so forth that they should be focusing a little bit more obviously again we're not trying to put super restrictions on you can have pizza and those things but what are they lacking in, in as far as a balance yeah so they that age group tends to be lacking in those those micronutrients um you know things like their fruit and their vegetables um even sometimes in that group, they're protein. Um, mm. So they're actually a group that they do really well with carbohydrates, but it tends to be their their protein and their micronutrients. Um, and what I think people don't recognize too is like micronutrients um, really helps with electrolyte balance. So a lot of times um, people are reading, reaching for things like sports drinks, which 
you know, there's a time and place for those, um, especially with longer duration workouts, but we can really get the electrolytes we need from our fruits and our vegetables if we're eating them adequately. Um, and, and adequately would be like, you know, getting, and this will vary on the, on the individual, but getting anywhere from like two to four servings of fruit a day and like three to five servings of veggies a day. Um, and you know, there's that big variation based on your activity level, right. Um, and, and your needs. So aside from sports drinks, what are your recommendations then other than eating more fruits and veggies for improving electrolyte balances? Do you have a product you recommend or something that you tend to find works well for most people? Yeah. So, I mean, these are also supplements, um, but like things like the noon tabs and scratch are really great. Um, you can have some good electrolyte drinks and those are going to be much lower. You know, um, I'm thinking about added sugars in their, mm-hmm. in their sports beverages. Um, um, you know, those are going to be lower in sugar than would be something like a Gatorade or a Powerade. Um, but really, I mean, if you're doing, if you're having back-to-back practices and, um, there's not time to eat. Um, doing a Gatorade or a Powerade is great in terms of getting the carbohydrates in as well as those electrolytes. So, I, w- I was a um, a student intern for uh, uh, the sports med team over at CU, and so I was mm-hmm. doing. Uh, I was helping out with football teams and et cetera. So we're doing water and things like that for the football team and sports team are out there. And in our little caddy, we had, we had uh, six, right? So it was five waters and one Gatorade. Man, that stuff was so good. It was so bad. I would just be sucking down Gatorade. <laughs> supposed to be passing it out. But it's crazy how sugary that stuff is. But what was interesting is when I was with the basketball team, while they also had Gatorade, the trainer, Larry Wilcock, we call him Old Viejo because he he he's been a trainer for years, pickle juice. Pickle yeah. juice was his thing. And you could there I can't remember what brand it is, but there's a brand that makes pickle juice sports recovery electrolyte drink, which I thought was yeah. was very interesting. Yeah, and so pickle juice is one of those things like if you're a super salty sweater, go for it. Like it's <laughs> you know, it's and that's 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 me. I that's something I I guess replenish with, especially after really long workouts, is um just like a shot of pickle juice. So that's yeah, funny. Yeah, that's, that was the yeah. thing. Just a little, little Dixie cup shot. Yep. Exactly. So I wanted, I want to leave people with, um, we always try to leave people with like a weekly challenge, right? Like here's something that you can start implementing now that could be important. Uh, again, as I'm, as I'm listening to this, I'm not an endurance athlete. I'm at mm-hmm. this season of life. I'm literally getting in three workouts a week. If at best, just with everything going on, kids, business, et cetera, but it works well. But then on the backside, I'm also not going crazy with the nutrition, right? What are some, uh, and I'll let you kind of like think about that maybe weekly challenges I'm chatting, but what, what I want to also dive into are what are some low hanging, no pun intended fruits, some low hanging fruit changes that people can start making um, that, that they don't have to overthink about. Right. Cause again, like even I'm thinking, well, am I eating enough calories? Do I need any more calories or am I eating enough carbs? So on and so forth without getting too over analytical. What are a couple of things that people can start implementing now that for the majority of people would have pretty positive impact? Yeah. Yeah. So what comes to mind for me is 
um, incorporating a protein, a fat, and a fiber at all your meals and snacks. Um, and so we, we touched briefly on like your protein foods and your fat foods um, and your fibers really are going to be those carbohydrate foods and just switching over the whole grains um, and fruit as your fiber and, and your starchy vegetables. Um, and so making sure that you're getting in those protein, fat and fiber at your meals and your snacks is going to one, improve that blood sugar control. So make sure that you're not having those drastic spikes throughout the day. Um, but also make sure that you're getting in the nutrition that you need um, in terms of electrolytes and um, all of the, those micronutrients. What would be an example of some fats that you would recommend for people? Because I think that's, I think right. even more so than carbs, I think a lot of people are fat averse and or we don't really know like what are the good fats or the bad fats. Yeah. Yeah. And so with fats, um, looking for things that really are liquid at room temperature. If you're using like an oil on your vegetables to cook them, um, those things are great. So things like avocado oil, walnut oil, um, sesame oil, if you like that, um, olive oil is great. Um, all of those would be good to use in your cooking. Um, your nuts and your seeds will be considered a fat. Um, and so, um, those are really great snacks to do. You can, Add them on top of a salad or in a in any dish really. Um, nut and seed butters are really great. Um, or you know, add them with a fruit, or um, you can add them to toast in the morning. Add them to your oatmeal, things like that. Um, and then avocados are going to be a healthy fat as well. Um, the fats that we want to veer away from or limit in our, in our diets are going to be something called saturated fat. And those are going to be solid at room temperature. So, um, you know, an easiest, the easiest, uh, picture I can paint for you is like when you purchase a steak and it's marbleized, it's like mm -hmm. all of the white in the, um, the marbleized in the, the steak, the white stuff is going to be the saturated fat or, if you cook beef and then you put it in the fridge, um, the fat that rises to the top and turns white, that is saturated fat. Um, and we do actually need some saturated fat in our diet, but we want to limit it um, because that is the fat that it over a long period of time builds up in your arteries, can cause, um, you know, different sort of heart conditions, high blood pressure, things like that. All the good stuff. All the good stuff. <laughs> um all right those are perfect those are perfect um i love the uh, uh i love the the balance right i think that's the most important thing is the yeah. the variety getting a little bit of everything uh as much as you can throughout the day in your meals um so i think that's a, i think that's a great challenge for people to uh, is that the dog in the background sorry yeah no it's all good <laughs> um uh, I think I think that's a great challenge for everyone to start to consider, right? Is really just kind of going through somewhat of a simple audit, looking at your plate. Does it look like it has different things in there, different colors, different you know, uh, uh, different sources? Hopefully, now we have a you guys all have a little bit of a better understanding of what macros are. I think everyone kind of knows fats, proteins, carbs, etc. But the the um, the extent of what those really are are a lot bigger than what we. Think. 
And I think that gives you a lot of options because I know the number one thing that most people say when you start talking about what they're eating is they're super worried about like there not being enough options. Like, well, what do I cook? Or like what, what there's, I mean, just, just Google cookbooks to eat healthier and you'll get a, a, you know, a number of different things out there. So there's always options. And I think it's just foreign to us. And that obviously makes it a little bit harder, but hopefully that helps. Um, that's, that, that's all I kind of had today. Is there anything else that you wanted to kind of add on that you, that you want to, um, uh, that you want to let people know that we didn't talk about, like something that you're super passionate about that didn't come up in the conversation or the questions? Um, I think we covered a good amount today. I don't want to overwhelm anybody. So, yeah. Well, with that, so um, if uh, obviously now, are you, are you doing, do you do remote sessions? Obviously with COVID, things are a little bit different, but do you do remote sessions as well? Yeah, I actually, all, all of my nutrition coaching is online. So, um, yeah, they can follow me. Um, my Instagram is a dash of Dana RDN. Um, and that's, that's probably the best way to find me. And then I can outsource you to my webpage that way too. So, uh, yeah, yeah, find her on Instagram. That's how we found each other. So it's perfect. Uh, super easy. I'll put, I'll put that, uh, link in the show notes as well so that you guys connect, you can follow her. She's throwing out, um, uh, great content, good tips along the way that kind of help you cultivate some of the ideas on how she approaches, um, nutrition and lifestyle changes, so on and so forth. And obviously what's nice about that is you don't have to be local. So if you're hearing this and you're not within Boulder County or North Denver, uh, you can still reach out. Uh, I, I, I find it super helpful to always just periodically check in with your, with your diet, right? It's like, there's a number of different sayings out there, but how you feel typically is very correlated to what you're putting in your body. Right. And that really makes a big difference. Um, and I mean, I'm literally feeling that from this weekend, aside from just a lack of sleep, like I know when things, when I'm, if I eat something wrong and how my energy feels and, and so on and so forth. So again, it's not bad. It's not bad that that happens. It just happens. But is, is it, is it a consistent thing? Is it a repetitive thing? Is it something that you, you know, you should be changing? You just don't know what to do. Great resource here. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining. Um, and I uh, hope everyone enjoyed this and be sure to, uh, once again, just be sure to check out um, uh, Dana on Instagram. And then the challenge one last time is just looking for that balance, right? Making sure that you have the fats, the proteins and some sort of um, fiber. Fiber. Yep. <laughs> fiber. Awesome. Well, thanks again for joining and we'll chat soon. All right. Thank you. All right, guys. Well, uh, thanks for tuning in, Movement Code Podcast. Um, uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Hope you're taking some some of the, some of these points to heart, especially if you are interested in just improving your nutrition and improving what you're eating to help optimize how you feel when you train, how you feel when you compete, uh, or whatever activity it is that you're doing. Uh, as a general kind of rule for our challenge, we're going here. And, and I get, sorry, let me back up. For our challenge, and more importantly, kind of just as a general rule, we're looking to do is for all of the meals that you're doing is to have some fat, have some protein, and have some fiber. And again, as what we mean by fiber, fiber falls underneath that kind of carbohydrate component is we're just trying to balance out more of our meals. Um, and this is super important to think about 
think about the kids and I'm thinking about even as my five-year-old, I mean, he's just going all the time and realistically he can just eat whatever, whenever, but trying us as parents, trying to be a little bit more thoughtful, what our kids are eating, life is busy. We're just throwing at them whenever we can, just trying to make sure they're getting all of the necessary components that's going to help them grow help their bodies grow, help their muscles grow, and just support, just support a good overall uh, healthy system. Um, be sure to follow Dana, uh, a dash of Dana RDN on Instagram is the best way to reach out to her. She does online coaching and consulting. So no matter where you are, if you're listening to this, you can reach out to her if you're looking or if you're feeling like and you're looking for someone who can support you and kind of give you a little bit more guidance for your specific needs and goals. Until then, guys, move well. Thanks for tuning in and have a great week.